God in God to do something, the more chance he is to do it. And it, that, that's off. That's a miss. You cannot have any faith in your faith. Your faith rests entirely in a sovereign God who is in total control. Um, I hope that makes sense to everybody. You know, uh, I know at times I've prayed, and I will again, and I've said, God, as much with as much faith in you as I know how to pray, I'm asking you for this, whatever it may be. And, Lord, I, I want to trust you no matter what. And, um, and I want to continue to learn to do that. And God is so good to us. He's so wonderful. And so much of the time, I feel like we fail to see that. God has blessed us in so many ways. And just his grace and mercy alone is overwhelming. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let me back up to verse, um, verse 12. Uh, I'm going to grab that. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Is everybody there? The Bible says that he may walk honestly toward them that are without and that he may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that he sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, <laughs> what a verse, and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout and with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day. And God, I thank you that, Lord, no matter what is going on in the world and even in our lives, God, and personal down to the point that no one knows but you. Some of the thoughts, the fears, the struggles we have, the emotions we struggle with, and God, all points and things in between, Lord, you know all about it. But God, I'm so thankful that you're steady, that you're there, that you've never failed me, you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. And God, that promise is not just for me, but it's for every single saved person on the face of the earth, all together at one time right now. And God, I thank you for this church, for what it means to us, for everyone that's in it. And we pray this evening that you use me just for a few minutes, God. The best way I can to know I want to yield myself to you, God, not just now, but every second of my life. I don't want to be a failure and embarrassment to you, Lord. I want to bring glory and honor to your name. And we thank you and we praise in Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Now, I think most of you know, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you just in case there's any doubt or question. When the Bible talks about here the word sleep, people sleep in the Lord, it doesn't mean they're taking a nap. Uh, there is a doctrine called soul sleep. Some of you may have never heard of that. Some of you have. It is an older doctrine. Uh, the word sleep here means dead. If you look at the definition of Greek, it means dead. It's the people, the, the um, doctrine of soul sleep teaches that if you die, you just simply basically are in a sleep state until the Lord returns. So that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and you're conscious of that. You're aware of that. Uh, but this evening, what I want to preach to you about 
is something that I think all of us need some occasion. We need some reminder of it. I know I do. And maybe this is just for me. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe I'm the only one that needs this. But uh, I want to preach to you this evening about this simple hope. Thank God we've got hope. Uh, when the Bible talks about here in verse 12, when it says uh, that he may walk honestly toward them that are without, what he's talking about is people outside the church. He's talking about lost. He's not talking about us. And then in verse 12 or 13, I'm sorry, when he goes on to say, even as others which have no hope. Do you realize that people die as lost? Their family has no hope. They have no hope. One of the hardest things I've ever done, and, and I still struggle with thinking about it, is a, a man that Dad and I worked with. I knew him most of my entire life, not just adult life, but as long as I guess I've been alive almost, this man knew me. And uh, Randy and I was going to the hospital one day on a death call, and they said they told us his name. And I thought, man, I know that name sounds familiar. And I called Dad. I said, Dad, do you know who this is? Because I knew I knew it. He said, yeah. He said, and he called him by his nickname. Everybody knew him as Tank. And it hit me. I'm like, Tank never got saved. And we walked into the hospital. There sat his wife and, and him. And I knew her well. And pretty much what I told Randy is exactly what happened. I said, she's going to ask me to preach that funeral. And she did. And there said her, her da their daughter, who was, as far as I know, is still strung out on drugs today. She was then. And other family and friends. And folks, i got to be honest with you. It's awful hard to give someone hope when there's no hope. It's not easy to try to give somebody hope when you don't have any hope to give them. The only hope they had is in Jesus Christ for their own selves and not in Him. His hope is over. It is gone. And as heartbreaking as it is, His opportunity to be saved is, is in the grave. It's over. But people in this world, Satan does so well at showing us how good everybody outside the church has got it and how rough you and I have got it. He does a good job of painting that picture and showing that. But every now and then, you and I need to take and rub his nose in the facts of God's word that I have a hope and so do you. Understand something. Uh, as you were talking about not being able to pray. And sometimes it is difficult to pray. Sometimes I'm not the best. Sometimes I struggle. There's days that I don't get down in good prayer with God. Very little prayer, if any, sometimes. I'm not, I, I struggle with these things the same as you. I try to make it a practice to pray every day, to read my Bible every day. And I do do that to a certain degree, but other times I like to do it a whole lot more than what I do. And the thing about faith and hope and trusting God is no matter how bad it gets, you must keep your hope in what thus saith the word of God. That is why we struggle so bad to die to self. What Morgan said, you can trust God, you can have faith, and man, I'll tell you what, you can walk on the, on the, on the very finite edge of a rock cliff and not even slip, and the next thing you know, you're sliding down a rock cliff, you're headed to the bottom at a high rate of speed, and you got nothing to grab onto. Sometimes it feels that way. But I'm here to tell you that you keep your eyes, you keep your heart, you keep your focus in what thus saith the word of God, not in what's going on around you, not in I know your kids get astray, I know that there's times you feel like there's no hope, but if you've got breath in you, there's hope. Now let me give you a few things here to think about. Number one, our hope is not oppressed as others. Now we do have oppression from Satan. 
Count on that. We've talked about that. And it's sometimes, I'm telling you, there's times I've gotten so oppressed, and man, I felt like the clouds was fixed, the sky was fixing to fall on me. And we all have those moments. And that is in those times when you've got to get in God's Word. You've got to dig in. And you've got to get a hold of something from God's Word. A verse such as this. But if I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that he sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Thank God if a lost loved one is gone and on their way to heaven, you have a hope. You don't have to sorrow about that. And most of all, you don't have to sorrow about your soul, your life. If you're born again, thank God you've got a hope beyond this world. you got something. you got something this world does not have. They do not possess. They cannot get it. The only way they can get it is by Jesus Christ and no other way can they receive that hope. The devil, he always wants to show you what you don't have. He always wants to point out what you don't have. He don't bother to point out what you do got. He's not going to look at you one day and say, well, you know what, you're one of God's children, man, you really got something. He's never going to do that. But thank God I can point out to him that I know I'm God's child and I know I have something. I'm not as others that are oppressed. Do you understand that people outside... Of the of the fold of of the the fold of God, one of His children have been saved. Do you understand? They have real oppression. The greatest hope they've got is in the government. Friend, you need some help if that's the best hope you've got. The greatest hope they got is in what they can collect for themselves. You can't. You only thing you can do is what God allows you to do. At a moment, in one curve going around down the road could change everything in your life. You're no longer able to work. You're no longer able, no longer able to provide. The only thing you got is what you possessions you have. Do you realize that people here that are lost, this is as big, this is as good, the best they will ever have it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, there's times I'll confess to you. I'd like to know what it's like to have a three thousand square foot house with plenty of space because we could fill it. We moved out, Amber and I moved out of a bedroom into a trailer and we filled a trailer with two bedrooms. We moved out of a trailer to a double wide and filled it from a trailer. I could probably fill a three thousand square foot house right now. We need to throw some stuff away, don't we? I'd like to know what it's like to have an in-ground pool with a lazy river and a big rock cliff with the waterfall and a big diving box. Hey, I wouldn't like to know what I... But let me tell you something. I've got something way better than all of that. That stuff is temporary. It's material. It does not mean anything when compared to the presence of Almighty God and what God has given us. That's what counts is your walk with Jesus. That's what matters. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that he been in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And here's what I want to get to. That at that time he were without Christ, been aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, he are sometimes were, uh, far, we're, were far off. I can't get it. But now in Christ Jesus, he, 
who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Thank God I'm no longer on the outside looking in. I'm not, I'm not oppressed as others, as he said in Thessalonians, and I'm not on the outside as others. I'm nigh to Jesus. I'm right with him. He's in me and I'm in him. We're one. We're together. We're part. And if you're born again, so are you. You've got a hope that this world does not have. They cannot gain it by any other measure or means but by, uh, by salvation through Jesus. Thank God I've got a hope beyond this world. I've got a hope this evening. I know some of you, at times, it gets hopeless. It gets helpless. I know some of you have children that are wayward. And you think, what in the world is going to happen? God, my kids, my son, my daughter, my grandkids, my, my, uh, my friends, my uh, relatives, whatever the case may be, there's times that it seems like there's no hope. But as long as there's breath in you, there's hope because God is working through you. God loves you. God will take care of you. God is hearing your prayer. Just don't give up hope. The one thing you've got to do, no matter how bad it looks, is keep hope in this. I'm going to remind you just one story real quick of Ike's, and I'm dying to walk around. This is killing me to stand here. I should have put that thing on. As Paul was arrested, and they had the, the mock trial. I still call it a mock trial, but they had a trial there. and I, Same as Jesus. They come, couldn't find no wrong course and, they, and he said I did nothing wrong and they knew that deep inside but on his way to Rome as they were taking him there on that boat and he became shipwrecked and things Paul heard from the angel of God Paul had a hope that they didn't have they were outside of the realm that Paul lived in and here's the thing church before Paul ever stepped foot on the first boat to go to Rome Jesus told him, it's in red, it's, it's that red words in the Bible. He said, Paul, as you witnessed to me in Jerusalem, so must you witness for me at Rome. Paul knew no matter what happened to him, he was going to Rome. One way or the other. When Jesus tells you something I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how it breaks down, how it breaks apart, and how it breaks up. Friend, you're going to make that destination. Because God said it. Sometimes in our life, it gets so mixed up. And things don't go the way we got in our mind, the way we want them to, the way we pray for, the way we think things should be. And God all along is saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Did I not say? Did I not say? Did I not say? Did I not say? And too much of the time, you and I put way too much weight in what we hear, what we hear, what we hear, rather than what does saith the Word of God. Put your hope in what says the Word of God. Not in the actions, not in what's going on around you. You say, but preacher, you don't understand. You're right, I probably don't. And as much as I want to, sometimes I can't. I thought... Uh, and Dale said this week I got to hear him a couple times and he said I, he said he struggles. He said, I got to be careful how much I talk about Rachel and preach when I'm preaching, uh, mention Rachel. And he still does so much of the time and I probably would too. But as he was preaching and, and, and going on about different things in his life that he's learned 
as he talked about the sovereignty of God and how God is always there, even though it didn't seem like it. He knew that he was there. And he said, I didn't understand. I still don't. He said, I still want my Rachel. He said, but I've got a hope this world does not have. There was a fly laying there. I'm about to kill it if you don't get away. He said, here, let me remind you again of what the Bible says. He says, wherefore remember. So you and I sometimes need to remember just simply what the word of God says. He said at that time we were without Christ. Do you understand that when we were out of the world, we were lost sinners dying and going to hell. We were without Christ. We had no hope. You had no hope. He said, been aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made, both made the one and hath broken down the middle wall of the partition between us. Thank God that he gave everything he had to give. He done everything you and I needed. And when we were without, when we were outside of the family of God, God called your name and he spoke to you. And thank God you heard his name. You heard his voice and you came to him and he made you one of his and he put his life in you and he gave you a hope beyond this world. He gave you a hope. Sometimes it gets hard. It's not easy to trust. I don't understand what some of you are going through. I don't guess he'd care for me saying this. I don't know. I hope he don't. But if he does, then I guess I'll apologize to him. Monday night, John Smith honored two pastors in this area that have been stood by him for years and, and been his friend and, and, helped, uh, and helped him along the way. And he brought them and their wives up on the platform and he presented them with gifts and he, and he just really honored them and, and he gave them some accolades that they have earned. And uh, Dale was sitting there and he was sitting two or three rows in front of him and I noticed he just seemed quiet the whole service. Like he, I thought, man, he just, he's on himself. And afterwards I said something to him and he mumbled some kind of excuse. I thought, well, you know, okay. And I knew that didn't sound right still yet. He called me later he said, what was wrong? He said, when John called those men up on stage, he said, it, he said, it killed me. He said, it crushed me. He said, I'll never get to experience that with my wife. He said, my wife's gone. He said, I'll never know what it's like to step up on a platform and my wife and I together be honored like that was. Now, he's had that in the past. What he said, he said, I'll never get it again. And at times in your life, it may seem like that God has gutted you in a way that you can't recover from. But friend, I'm here to tell you, sometimes God is trying to mold you. He's trying to shape you and I. He sees something you don't see in even in yourself. And you just have to trust him. You've got to keep the hope that he's given you. Thank God I've got a hope. I'm not on the outside. Let me say this and, and I'll move on. Uh, a lot of preaching this past week and different thoughts are going through my mind. I borrowed just a phrase from a couple of them. Sometimes you get in a storm and it feels like it'll never end. Have you ever been caught out in a downpour in a rain? I'm sure Joe has delivered the mail once or twice. 
And I don't mean just a shower. I mean, son, an absolute cloudburst. And, there, and you can't get out of it. I mean, you're, you're stuck out in it. I mean, you can't. It's, I've been caught out in it. I think, man, I can't hardly breathe. When's this going to end? I thought, good grief, I'm going to drown in a rainstorm. And, and you feel like you're almost like you're trapped and it's overpowering, it's overwhelming. And you're on the outside of hope. Friend, if you're in God this evening, you're not on the outside of hope. You're in the shelter. You're in, you've been sheltered from the storm. God has got you sheltered. Let me read to you from one more place and, and I'll be done. Romans chapter 8. If you've never studied Romans chapter 8 or looked at it, I'd admonish you to go home and read it about a hundred times. Verse 23, he said, Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doeth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Then one of my favorite passages of Scripture, he says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then we know that all things work together for the good to them who are the called. Work for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So number one, we're not as oppressed as others with no hope we're on the outside as others or we're not at odds with God as others you go back to Thessalonians if you read read that what he said he said even as others which have no hope the others are the world you and I are the church I've said this before I think one of the greatest things about hell and we don't realize this. You've got to understand, you and I have never been outside the presence of God, even when you were lost. Let me explain to you what I mean. Me, is this on? I, I just, I got to move here real quick. I want to get down here with you. <laughs> okay. Boy, that's, that's good and hot. I like that. Man, everybody can hear me. I don't have to yell and strain my voice. You understand that before you were saved, you and God were enemies. Do you realize that? you understand that? You were not friends, you were foes. And anything God wanted, we didn't. I'll be honest with you. The night I came to church and got saved, I really wasn't that interested in what was going on there. I wasn't really interested in getting involved in what was going on. I didn't really care about what anybody thought at the time. All I wanted to do was get in my fix to get everybody off my back and to peace and people then leave me alone for a while let me go on about my life. But thank God he had other plans. Now he said there, where I just read to you in Romans, we have a hope. I have not seen heaven. 
You know what else I've never seen? I've never seen Holy Spirit. But I know where he lives. He lives right inside of me. I've never seen Jesus. And let me go ahead and hit you with this again. Don't make get mad at me. Uh, my dear mother, and I, I don't know if I've ever told her, that, I don't think I ever have. Um, years ago, when I first started, when I announced my call to preach, the best clothes I owned was, were blue jeans and about two polo shirts. And that was it. If it required anything above that to attend, I didn't attend. I just, I just wasn't a dress up kind of feller. And I'm still not, to be honest with you. But finally, she got me some dress clothes. And finally, it took about six months. I finally got in a suit and tie. And her and two pastor's wives, who are both gone on to glory now, went and bought me a suit and my first tie. The tie is a picture of Jesus standing on the bow of a ship in the ocean. I don't wear much anymore because, no offense, Mom, I don't like pictures of Jesus. Period. You say, why? Well, number one is because he's greater than any image you can conjure up in your mind. Number two, and maybe should be number one, the Bible says not to have any graven image before me. And that includes him. Because we don't know what he looks like. The only description we've got of God is in uh, Psalms 20, uh, 22, Isaiah 53, and Revelation chapter 1. And I've not seen anything that comes close to those. I don't know what he looks like. But I've got a hope that one day the greatest thing that a man will ever see is Jesus Christ. I can't see him now. I believe we'd explode. I really do. I think the I think the glory of God would literally melt us. I think we'd I think we'd melt like water. I mean, and I don't mean over time, I mean instantaneously. Moses said, Lord, show me thy glory. And you know the story how he in the Bible I, I didn't catch this till just a couple years ago, how God put him up in the cleft of the rock. And then he held his hand as he walked by. He said, just, he let him see his hinder parts. Do you know God had to take form to do that? Now, when Moses died, if he did, I think he did, but nevertheless, Satan wanted his body. Do you know why he wanted his body? So Satan could take that body and he would put his spirit inside of Moses and then go to leading the children of Israel the way he wanted. Because they'd follow Moses anywhere. He would have possessed that body. I've often wondered, and here's what I think. And I've heard it from somebody else. I'd thought it pretty close before I heard it. You know, God wouldn't let Moses go into Canaan because he took his staff and he hit the rock which represented Jesus Christ. And God said, because you've done that, you won't go into Canaan. You'll stop short. I'll let you see it, but you're not going. And God took Moses out on the backside of a mountain by himself. And I believe at that time, God said, here I am. I think Moses got to see face to face in human flesh. And I'll promise you, he took his last breath and I don't believe there was a body left. If there was, God buried it. You realize the hope you have, you haven't seen yet. 
But one day, we'll see him face to face. But until that time comes, you have a hope that this world does not have and they can't, they can't gain outside of salvation. They'll never experience that hope. I've been saved since I, realistically, I feel like God has started to check me on this. I don't know. I probably got saved when I was about five or six years old. And I'm going to tell you a story on that and I'm going to close with it. But I really got right with God when I was 21. And I just say I got saved at 21. But I probably should say it differently. I probably should say I went sideways on God and God got me straightened back up. And I want you to think about this. I don't know where the person's at, where the man's at today. I struggle with it. Remember, I'm 50 years old, so we're talking 45 to 44 years ago, the story of what I'm getting ready to tell you. There was a couple that had a puppet ministry. His name was Bill Reimer. And I got saved, I believe I really got saved that night in that puppet ministry. A few years went by, him and his wife got divorced, he got a sex change. Remember, I said this was 40 years ago. He was ahead of his time. He never left this area. He started going by Tiffany. I've seen his monument. Now, somewhere along the line, either his wife was the one that was saved, and that's who God was working through. And I'm not going to tell you he wasn't saved. It ain't up to me to judge the man. Thank God it's not. But he got sideways on God, and he lost hope in the very thing that he should have had hope in. And if Satan can get you to do that, if he can oppress your prayers, if he can get you to give up because of your boys, if he can get you to give up because of anything, if he can get your mind and your eyes off of God and on the problem, that'll be you and me. You may not get a sex change, but you'll get sideways with God. Friends, the hope is what we haven't seen. I've not seen Holy Spirit, but I've sure felt His presence, and I've sure felt His, I've, I've experienced it. I've had it, I've experienced Him. I've not seen the wind, but I've experienced it. Thank God I've experienced Holy Spirit's power and His presence, and I want so much more. I feel like I failed so much. I feel like I failed Him, I feel like I failed you all. I feel like I need to have so much more power of God than what I've got. And I want that. I want to get to the point that I don't care what anybody thinks. I want to preach with the power of God, live with the power of God beyond what anybody says. I just want to please God beyond anything. That's what I want. I've got a hope, and you have a hope that this world cannot touch. And this is the last thing I want you to remember. Satan can't take that hope either. It's not his to take. It's God's. But you've got to keep your faith in God and in the Word. Not in your actions, not in what you can do, and not in what you can pray. In God and God alone. Father, I thank you again for this time together. And God, I, uh, I, I pray that you take this, just uh, in some ways, God, a simple thought, but Lord, it sure is a lot for me to see. I sure needed it. Maybe nobody else did. I don't know.
But God, I needed it. I thank you for the preaching that I've heard the last two or three days. I thank you, God, for your presence and your power. I thank you for salvation. There's so many things, God, that we've got to thank you for, and I want to. Father, I pray that you take this message and you give some people in this room hope tonight. God, there's others that I didn't mention, I didn't look at or point out things in their life that you know. And God, I know some of the things, but God, you know better than I do. God, I pray for them. I pray that you help them, that you touch them and encourage them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll tell you what I'd like to